Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Here's another episode of Killer Cocktails. Today we are drinking the mimosa because we're doing a early recording. Um, it's 12.30, but uh, we tried to get it started at 10 a.m., so we decided to drink mimosas. And as everyone knows, that's equal parts orange juice and champagne. And it was actually invented in 1925 at the Ritz Hotel in Paris by Frank Mier. Now you say everyone knows equal parts but I would say that that was news to me today. <laughs> that the way my friends and I have been making them for years is a little more champagne and like a little splash of OJ just to add color and a hint of flavor. I think that's your early 20s showing through and college showing <laughs> through. I think, I don't know who drinks it equal parts. Um, actually, what we're drinking today could actually be described as the Bucks Fizz which is way more champagne and a splash of orange Bucks juice. Fizz. Yeah. Why do we know why Bucks Fizz? Um, it was invented at the Bucks Club in London. Okay. And it was actually before the mimosa was invented. So this was in 1921. Mimosa was invented in 1925. So I think the Bucks Club had it's, had it going. It's the truth. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah, yeah, some yeah. like uptight character was like, Ooh, well, in Ooh. Paris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Paris, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they're a little bit more classy. That's Can't true. get very drunk during. Yeah breakfast that's true it makes for a different breakfast anyway yeah like i'm having a great time yeah (laughs) perfect and um what kind of champagne are we drinking today jackie i don't know the answer to um oh okay because i picked it up okay (laughs) it's a very large bottle um it's the largest you can get of champagne i believe uh it's a really high-end brand called cook's Oh, cook champagne. Fancy. <laughs> um, it's actually the lowest grade you can get. I'll bet there's lower. You think? Like in a plastic bottle or something? Well, I mean, I know we're talking bottom. bottom mode, yeah. But I, I'll, I just imagine there's something out there I'll give somewhere. that to you. I'll give that to you. Yeah. Yeah. What am I? Oh, I'm thinking I got a picture in my head of something, but I can't remember. Anyway. Of champagne? I mean, yeah. champagne comes in a... In a can now, so does wine if you want to... This wine in a can, yeah. and, you know, first of all, shout out to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think that's one of my <laughs> absolute favorite episodes. But you can get it in, like, in like juice boxes yeah. now? Yeah. Actually, when I was uh, over in Europe on the train, I got those little wine, like, they look like little juice cups, and yeah. I just had a great time on the train. People put... Is it, what's a Bellini? Do you know when they put like fruit and things in there? Do you yeah, know what I'm talking about? I mean, with mimosas, you could put like a little strawberry like a or, or like a raspberry. There? I feel like I've been to um, baby showers Bellini. or bachelor parties. Oh, that. Bellini has like Prosecco wine and like peach puree or nectar. Oh, it's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's essentially you have your, your citrus, um, but it's a very, maybe it's a denser. Okay. Because it's the puree, not yeah. just like the juice. Yeah. I was watching a Joe Rogan thing the other day, and they were talking about orange juice, and him and this, like, super health nut person were making fun of people who have orange juice for breakfast, thinking that they're having a healthy drink, uh-huh. and they're like, it's essentially a Mountain Dew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a glass of sugar. Sugar's crazy. Yeah. It's like, I mean, anytime, well, here you go, my nutrition side is going to kick in. Anytime you do juicing, um, yeah, you're getting some of the, the you know, micro uh, nutrients and stuff, minerals, 
but you're essentially, you're taking out the fiber of it. So you're yeah. just getting a, a, a spike of sugar and carbohydrates and it's going flush through you. You might as well just eat the whole fruit. That's what, that's yeah. how it's meant to be eaten. Cause you're taking out, yeah, the fiber and the, the other part, yeah, the, the, the density of it, the fruit. Yeah. You're just drinking sugar. Just why eat it's... the goddamn carrot. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Carrots are crazy because when you juice a carrot, it is so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Not a, yeah. And then you have so much left over. Like, what the fuck are you... You are wasting so much. Yeah. It just... Juicing infuriates me. <laughs> I didn't know this about you. God damn it. I don't have a juicer in this house. Good. All right. Well, that's... Uh, mm. Our <laughs> drink is mimosa and we've... We talked your ear off about all sorts of stuff already. So let's get into murder, because that's why you're really here. This is true. So I hope you have poured yourself a glass of mimosa. Yeah. And you're ready to hunker in. Jackie. Oh, by the way, this is Drea. Oh, every time. This is Jackie. Hi. Hello there. (laughs) Uh, My, so I kind of took it from the advantage of mimosa, brunch, breakfast. My, you know, my brain goes to, I'm sure there's been a murder at a bed and breakfast. I mean, obviously. Yeah. They're everywhere. So the one that popped up for me was the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast. <gasps> like the Black Bear, the restaurant? Not or... Black Bear Diner. Okay. No relation. Oh, oh got it. There's a, there's a lot of those. Black... I didn't know there were so many Black Bear Diners. <laughs> they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And they're in like little towns where I wouldn't think yeah. they'd be sustainable. They're but like I a think, little chain. I think people, if you love Black Bear Diner, it's your jam. And you're into it. And you know that you can get... Consistency, consistency. Like, I like, like chicken pot pie. I like big pop, big portions. Yeah, you know, it's your jam because they'll give you jam. Uh, so this happened over Labor Day weekend, and what, you know, you're what gonna year? want what year from me? Yeah. <laughs> no, and I don't have that written <laughs> Why down. You, who is your so murderer? I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and have you Google that while I tell this story. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, if you do Bird Blackbird bed and breakfast. Oh, I remember it, the name. It should pull up because <laughs> I kept trying to pick this goddamn story, and I was like, God. Druggy stories everywhere. Damn it! Uh, it was so. It took place in Maine, the state of Maine, and it was the largest multiple homicide in Maine since an arson fire that killed four in Portland, Maine, fourteen years prior. So we're looking at two thousand six. That's further away than I thought. Uh, in like the murder aspect, he was born in nineteen seventy five. Okay. Two thousand six, huh? Okay. Uh, so Christian C. Nielsen. Uh, at the time, 31 years old, he worked in a nearby town of, uh, or lived in a nearby town of uh, Farmington. Um, he shot, then dismembered the innkeeper, her daughter, her daughter's friend, and uh, patron of oh the God. of the inn. I think the worst things about like mass murders at a house is when it's not only the family, but it's like. A friend of one of the kids who's there, like, they yeah. shouldn't even be wrong there. Wrong place, wrong time. <sighs> I hate that. Okay. So, Christian, he worked as a line cook at the Sadbury Inn in Bethel, Maine. Okay. So, m- my understanding of Maine is, while it's, I'm not, it's not a large state, I, I think there's a lot of land. Not th- I think it's full of small towns. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my my take on Maine, and uh, so he's he kind of lives nearby. He works at this you know inn that's kind of nearby, um, and it's there's not a lot of information as to like why, like what spurred any like there's just not I couldn't find a ton about it. 
Um, so the Blackbird Bed and Breakfast, it's a remodeled seven-bedroom inn. It's a farmhouse. Uh, and they kind of describe it as this, like, picturesque bend in the road in rolling hills of western Maine. So, like, just super beautiful where you go to see the leaves change. Mm, okay. So you, like, leave New York. Like, if you're a fancy New Yorker, you got to go see the leaves change in May. Like, you drive up. There's, like, a season, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I, we have I, we have a lot of deciduous. Tr- deciduous is what? I have no idea. Oh, there's different. Darn it. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of trees that don't change. They're just, like, some of their needles will fall off. Oh, evergreens. Ever, yeah, evergreens yeah. and deciduous. So deciduous, all the leaves fall off. Evergreens are evergreen. Cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you. I'm going to say that's 75% true. <laughs> I want to uh, let everyone know, again, we are drinking and... If you're trying to learn a lot from us, <laughs> this is not the, the podcast. best place. Yeah. yeah no. um, we hope that we excite, we, we pique your interest, mm. and then you go actually find out details on your own. All the details. Yeah. Let us How know. to actually make the drink. Yeah. <laughs> what the actual truth is to the story. I feel story. like we nailed it for the mimosa, though. I feel like <laughs> we're not a lot of ways to mess it yeah. up. We got the ratio wrong. <laughs> too much champagne. <laughs> yeah, but so there's this whole, like, you know, go up to Maine and watch the leaves change. Or Vermont. Like, there's, you know, you go up there and there's trees and they're pretty. So this is not, it's like right before, it's kind of shoulder season for mm-hmm. them. So it's not time for those to be changing yet so all the inns aren't booked there's not a ton of people there it's very you know it's low season he goes there and he he kills the um so it's labor day weekend he's staying there no what he goes there so and he's uh, what did i say he's 31 yeah so he gets to this inn or maybe maybe the first murder doesn't happen at the end there's a a 50 year old guy james whitehurst who's staying at the inn and he's been there for about a month on, and this is undisclosed personal business. He's retired? I don't, it's vague. He just needs to see the leaves change. But they're not changing yet. He's, he's early. Well, that's why he needs to be there for Here's what I imagine. <laughs> okay. This is made up. He's writing a novel. Ooh. To me, he's, like a gone, to this, novel? he's gone to this small <laughs> town in Maine, and he's staying at this inn that's run by a mother, and... He's writing his greatest novel. I made that up. But it fits <laughs> in my narrative. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But no, we don't know why that guy's there. So he's 50 and he's lived, and he's been there for about a month. Maybe he's just a dude living in an inn. Who is knows? He, is he married? To my knowledge, no. Just a 50-year-old guy living in an inn. Weird. So That's he, weird. So he gets murdered by Christian Nielsen. It starts with him. Okay. So Christian murders him and then dumps his body in the woods. That's on Friday. How does he murder him? I didn't get that. Strangulation. Gun. Uh, Knock on the head. I believe he shot him, because earlier it says that he shot and dismembered the innkeeper, her daughter, her daughter's friend, oh. and this other guy. Oh, okay. So I don't think that James gets dismembered. Okay, he just... I think he's shot and dumped in the woods. Okay. So I don't know if James caught him sneaking around the property. I don't know if they met elsewhere, and then he, like, took James's key and went back. I, You know, I just, I don't... Yeah. No. Uh, but he kills James, dumps him in the woods. Then he goes to the end. So that was on Friday of Labor Day weekend. Then he goes, and on Sunday, he kills Julie Bullard. She's the innkeeper. She's 65. Um, she's originally from San Francisco. Oh. And she ran an inn in California. 
And it was like, I'm going to buy this in in Maine. I'm going to run this in. It was like a change my lifestyle. Her daughter followed her out. Her daughter's husband, she has two kids, and her daughter's husband had died in a car accident. Oh, no. Where are the kids? I, it doesn't say. No. So the kids aren't there. The kids okay. do not. Nothing befalls the They're like children. back. Maybe they, she's like, I want you Staying to finish with out somebody the school year. Or I, yeah. I don't. But they, I feel like they've owned this inn for a couple a of years. So I think okay. she's just, the kids are somewhere else because the, so her daughter is Selby Bullard and uh, Selby's friend. So Selby's like 30 mm-hmm. and her friend Cynthia, ooh, I can't read my own handwriting, Beltson, Beatson. I think it's Beatson, B-E-A-T-S-O-N, I think. Um, she's like 43 and they're okay. coworkers and they work at the same spot. So they were not supposed to be at the inn. They showed up wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. And discovered that her mom had been murdered, I believe. So, uh, Sunday, Julie Bullard, she's the innkeeper. She is shot and dismembered. Like it's yucky. Yeah. Then the next, so that's, uh, Sunday. So then the next day, Monday, Selby and Cynthia show up unannounced, discover that horrible things have happened, and then they get shot and dismembered. Uh, so if we're keeping track of this timeline, yeah. on Sunday, Christian had a shift as a line cook at this other inn. Mm-hmm. He goes to his shift. What? He works in the kitchen, and everyone's like, he was normal. His, his normal crazy self. So he had already shot and dumped the body of James. Yeah. He'd already, we believe, killed the innkeeper. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not dismembered her body and then just goes to work like nothing's different. That's insane. Did he have any prior, like, triggers? Any, like, flags? No. I mean, I I, I can update if yeah, I yeah. find more, but no. And he had, so he works his normal shift, then he goes back. Then on Monday, he kills Selby and Cynthia. Then, at 5.30, he calls his father and his stepmom. And they live in a local place called Bryant Pond. It's like 13 miles away. Um, He calls them and urges them to come. (gasps) No. No. They show up, and they see a trail of blood. No. They (gasps) call the police. Okay, good. And the police, he surrenders. It's not, there's no standoff. There's no showdown. He's just like... Does he urge them? Did he like confess over the phone to when them? When I was reading it, yeah. I was kind of freaking out. Like, oh my god, he's like convincing he's them gonna, to come there to murder them. Yeah. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But either like they came, were immediately freaked out, called police, and police came, and yeah. it like, wasn't. And then yeah. he admitted everything. Wow, it was just a one-off. He just it was just a yeah. And they never got a reason. Do you know who he looks like? Who Draco Malfoy? No, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's so, like an older version, or yeah. Oh. Like, no offense to the actor who plays Draco. Yeah, yeah, you're amazing. Malfoy was, like, amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but, Jesus. That's yeah. That's so creepy. So, wait, he just found... The, ah, I just hate that there's no motive. Yeah. That infuriates me. I'll... Well, when we're... I'll interject After, yeah, if yeah. we discover something. Yeah. That's so... Were there any other people at the house? It was just, like, shoulder season. Yeah. Nobody just, else. She had one person at the end. No. You know, so it's a seven room... You know, so I imagine she's in one of the rooms. Yeah. Then she's got, you know, six others for rent. So, yeah. you know, they're not at max capacity for sure. No, And he wasn't staying there. I, I, I couldn't find anywhere yeah. that that was the case. That's so sad. That writer guy have a family. <laughs> the made-up writer <laughs> the guy. Made up, yeah. I don't, I don't know. 
Oh, Jackie. Yeah. So bed and breakfast, mimosa. That's how you're bed tying and breakfast, it in. Mimo- mimosa. Yeah. That's how I tied in my murder too. Yeah. Okay. So uh, accuracy update. <laughs> uh, Nielsen was staying at the bed and breakfast. Okay, which is super creepy. Yeah. So he was so out of the seven rooms. We had James Whitehurst in one, and we had Christian Nielsen in the other. Got it. For whatever reason, he kills James Whitehurst, the 50-year-old. Mm-hmm. He shoots him. He kills him in the woods, dismembers the body, tries to light it on fire. And then they're thinking that he killed the innkeeper, her daughter. Like, all of that's just collateral. He's trying to cover up the death of James Whitehurst. Yeah. And in his defense... He was, he initially tried to plead not guilty by reason of insanity, but then pathologists came in and they said, um, no, like you knew what was happening at the time, but that he did suffer from schizoid personality disorder. So that's why he had a hard time expressing remorse Mm -hmm. or emotions in court. Okay. So while yes, he's a little bit off base or off, he's off. Yeah. Um, it wasn't enough to excuse his behavior. Behavior. Yeah. And in May, so he has life sentences, life sentence. And in Maine, there's no chance of parole, so he's just good in jail forever, good or in prison forever. Um, speaking of mimosas, yeah, I have my story to do. Here we, go. I'm ready for it. I also kind of went the bed and breakfast way. Okay, hang in there. I feel like it was a a fair, yeah, leap. a fair, yeah. I don't think anyone got murdered over a mimosa. <laughs> no. No. Champagne murders? I didn't Cha- that Ooh, up. champagne showers. <laughs> no? Okay. Sante Kimes. Yeah. Does it ring any bells? No, not for me. Perfect. Okay. Sante Kimes was born on a farm in Oklahoma City in 1934. Oh, we're going way back. We bet. But she was like, I mean, she, I mean, obviously she's older when these things happen, but okay. 1934. She grew up in a different time. 34. All She's right. the third child of four children. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, there was a, you could see that I wasn't, I, I can it tell that comp- you could see that my face, <laughs> that I wasn't with you. And it's because in my head, I was trying to remember what dates was the Great Depression. Got it. Oh, got it. Okay. Because I feel like this is a Great Depression baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like maybe on the outskirts of it because early it. 40s, you've got World War II, mm-hmm. roaring 20s. So I feel like. It's a fair guess we're somewhere near the Great Depression. It's a bad time to be born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so her father is East Indian and her mother um, is of Dutch descent. Where is it's this taking place? <laughs> Oklahoma. That's right. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't listen well. And so, like, their parents, uh, her parents meet at, like, a local fair. Her wow. father, Her father's, like, a magician. And oh. she meets, uh, or he meets the mother, and they fall instantly in love. They move to Oklahoma, and they get married, and okay. they get a farm. And the her parents are not about it. They're, like, very religious. Yeah, they're, and they're like, like, we're, yeah, he's... we're Dutch, and this is some East Indian guy. Yeah, and we're, we don't trust. And so we... We don't trust. <laughs> we don't trust. <laughs> <laughs> I loved your inadvertent <laughs> slipping into her parents. We don't dress, yeah. no. Um, so they get a farm going, and they get a family going. And they have three kids at first, and, um, and they, you know, living on this farm, and she gets pregnant with a fourth child. The father dies of a heart disease, mm-hmm. and the mother's left there with now four kids. And a farm. And a farm. In Oklahoma. In, in Oklahoma. And she's a very passive person. She doesn't want to do arguments. She's very, like, go with the flow yeah. kind of gal. 
So the oldest son starts to get very rambunctious, and she can't control her oldest son. And he doesn't have a strong father figure. Exactly, yeah. And so um, the third child, which is Sante, is very close with her eldest Is Sante's brother. a girl? Sante's a girl. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure what the name Sante. And uh, she's she's very close with her eldest brother um, to the point where they're... Who's the troublemaker. Who's the troublemaker. Who... <laughs> They are, like, very handsy. Oh, no. And she'll sit on his lap, and sometimes his hands go to places they shouldn't. Um, and so... <laughs> I don't um, like your story. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Um, so they start to get a little bit older. Uh, her brother gets a little bit more violent and eventually steals a bunch of their stuff and and skips town. Like, okay. leaves. And then the next eldest daughter, she also skips town and leaves. So it's Sante, and now that baby... Got it. That when the mother, the father died. So the baby grows up. Sante has to care, take care of this baby because now the mother has to be at work all the time. Okay. Um, so Sante has um, a passion for pain. Um, she likes to terrorize her little sister. Oh. She likes to take a match and... So there's, yeah. there's a... I can't remember the term. There's a masochist and a sadist. Yes. And one of them likes to hurt others, and one likes to be hurt. So a sadist likes uh, to uh, like derive pleasure from um, inflicting pain. Okay, and yeah. a masochist is to themselves. Yeah. So yeah. she's m- more on a, the sadist, a sadist ten- yeah. tendencies. Okay. So she'll like be like, "Hey, it's time for the fire game," and she'll like strike a match. The fire game. Yeah, she'll strike a match and like put it under her little sister's fingers, and if like her little sister like flinches, they'll start over. Um, when she can't get a hold of her little sister, Whoa. she goes after the animals on the farm. So she'll take oh, hat pins. We all know one tor- torturing your torture sister's bad, but torturing animals <laughs> animals is, is another step number one. Torturing animals is right up there with don't go to a second location. Don't. <laughs> There's only so many things that I have devoted to memory, and that is torturing animals, mm-hmm. red flag. Red flag. And don't go to second locations. And um, overzealous masturbation, but I don't know. How <laughs> but like, <laughs> I don't know how you quantify that for a young male, because I feel like when you're getting to know yourself, you're just <laughs> masturbating all the time. But <laughs> uh, but overzealous. Overzealous. Yeah. How she's being described. No, no, there's no masturbation to this. Oh, you're just adding. <laughs> you're adding to my list of I'm things to keep in yeah. Okay, yeah. She things is, to keep in She's just Sante exuding... has not been accused of overzealous masturbation. No, no, she's just exuding the um, harmful nature towards like animals. Lacks the empathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she'd take hat pins and stick them into their hindquarters. This gives us a time frame that there's hat pins. <laughs> <laughs> that hat pins are yep. a thing. 1930s, 1940s. Yeah. Animals hindquarters. And if she got a hold of dogs, she put clothespins on their nose, their oh paws, and their genitals. Um, so she um, is of Indian descent. So when she's not at home, she's at school, and her classmates don't want to hang out with her because of she's her not Indian like descent. Them. Yeah. So uh, during the 1940s, authorities just decide that the kids are not being well kept. The mom's always gone. They're kind of latchkey kids. Yeah, the mom's yeah. Not around. And so the authorities take the kids and they put them into this all-girls school. So the mom freaks out because the kids are taken away from her, and she actually goes back and steals them away. And she, they head to LA, okay, to go live. And so um, here they're living on their own. So it's just the mom, the two girls at this point, 
and Sante starts having fits of rage every day because she's not getting what she wants. Yeah. And this is driving her and sister she's a ki- crazy. And she's a kid? How old is she? She's a kid. Um, I'm going to say she's like eight at this point. So I, I will say I feel like an eight-year-old exhibiting these kinds of, there's something up. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, a child shouldn't be raging this hard. Yeah. I mean, you do also have a mother who's very passive and might not be a very yeah, authority figure. But... She's not around, so her father's not around, so there's no real authority figure. Okay. She's raging every she's day. She's a raging eight-year-old. Um, she's raging until she gets what she wants, so she always gets what she wants. Um, so they're living there for a couple of years, and she makes friends with the soda shop owner. And this couple really likes Sante. They think she is the bee's knees. They would. They think she's the perfect child. And so um, the soda shop owners, the woman, she talks to her sister and she's like, you should adopt Sante. She's in this really bad environment back at home. She needs a good environment and it'll solve everything. So her sister, Mrs. Chambers, decides to adopt Sante, goes to Sante's mother. Yeah, I was going to say, how's mom feel about this? Mom doesn't give a shit. Mom's like, take her. She's Sante. Sante's mom and the little sister that's remaining, they like dance when they leave. The little sister's like, she's not going to burn my hand with matches anymore. She's not going to fucking burn me anymore. Hallelujah. Whoa. Sante. Imagine um, a sibling like that. No, there's no way. I would leave so fast. I would have run away like the other ones. Um, so Sante changes her name to Sandy Chambers and she's... Because Sante's an interesting name. Sante is very, like, Indian descent. She's been, um, kind of cast from friendships before. Yeah. Yeah. So she changes it to Sandy. She starts wearing makeup to kind of cover up her olive complexion. And she starts being, like, wearing the latest fashions and putting her hair up in the latest, like, crazes. Okay. And she's making a lot of friends. And she meets this girl named Ruth, who is, like, a very passive person, easily controlled. So at this point, um, Sante, or a.k.a. Sandy, yeah. is in eighth grade, and she's continuing to use fire She's on kids. deep in the heart of her mean girl years. Yes. yes. Um, it's really sad, because I was watching this documentary on it, and this, this older man is talking about how Sante would take his shoes off as a young boy and have other kids hold him down while she struck matches and put it between his toes. She's doing the matches. Yeah, and he was like, I think she was more interested in me crying yeah. than, like, the whole event. Um, Whoa! Yeah, and so she's escalating at this point, and so 1950, she is 16 years old, and she's caught lo- uh, shoplifting a lipstick. And But she has the money for it, so she could have easily yeah. paid for it. She's Winona Ridering it. Yes. <laughs> she wants the thrill. She wants to feel alive. Um, so she graduates from high school and she moves to California with her friend Ruth. And she meets this guy named Lee. And he's a senior at their college. And a year later, they're still dating. And he graduates from college yeah. and joins the army. And so Sandy slash Sante um, wants to get married. And Lee's like, ah, you know, we're still so young. So, I mean, what do you do at this point when you really want to get married? You pretend you're pregnant. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Your face. You're like, what? He's like, where's where's this question leading? (laughs) So, um, Lee and Santa get married, and uh, a couple months later, Lee... It's the standard little trap that then has a little, has a nine-month expiration date on it. (laughs) You've got to get pregnant (laughs) in that time, or your lie is gone. So, Sante doesn't get pregnant in that time. Mm-hmm. Lee realizes she's not pregnant, yeah. but he doesn't say anything. Trapped his ass. Trapped his ass. And um, Sante is, like, not 
happy with her situation with Lee. He, she wants more money. She wants more power. And he's, um, yeah, he's in the army. He's, he's in not the army. Bringing in it's not doing it for box. her. So, like, a, le- a year later, she files di- for divorce. She leaves him. And then she contacts a high school boyfriend named Ed. And just six months later, they're married. Okay. And so Ed is a contractor, and he develops, like, houses and stuff. And, so, and we're still down in L.A. We're still in uh, California. I can't Southern remember. California-ish. Yeah. Um, so Ed developed houses. Asante's kind of happy with him for a while. And then again, the money's not good. So all of a sudden, Ed's ha- one of his houses catches on fire. Oh, wonder who did it. <laughs> and then uh, he has to collect the insurance money. Okay. And uh, it looks like an accident. Um, so at this point, Sante is still Sandy. But now Sandy decides to be Sante again. Okay. <laughs> so uh, she switches between a couple of aliases yeah. for this. Um, and she's caught uh, shoplifting again. And more and more of Ed's houses are caught on fire. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, she's 26 years old. And um, Sante decides to have affairs with Ed's business associates. That's like, a good choice. Yeah. She wants, she just wants that adrenaline, you yeah. know? Um, she's and just then, stealing lipstick again, but she's, she's 26. She's stealing dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was good. Um, so Sante, she's in the middle of her affair. She's still with Ed, and she has her first child, who she names Kent. And so in 1967, she's like, Ed, you got to go. You're not making mm-hmm. enough money for me. So she divorces him. And um, as Kent is growing up, he remembers his mom being like, um, personality doesn't rem- matter, looks don't matter. It's all about wealth. You need to find someone who's wealthy. Okay. And so she moves to Palm Springs and she gets some boobies and um, she starts wearing black wigs. And people say she looks a lot like Elizabeth Tar- Taylor. Okay. Um, I, wanna, I want you to see this photo of her. Yeah. Doesn't she look? She's Yeah, she's definitely modeling after Liz Taylor. Which, I guess, yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. And of a different time. Of a different time, yeah. Did Liz so, Taylor have like crazy blue eyes? Is that a thing? I don't. I don't know. Did I feel she? Like she? I feel like she did. I could hmm. be wrong. I don't know. We we come at it from a different perspective. Where Liz Taylor to us is an old lady who was married a million times. <laughs> yeah. And there's diamonds involved. Yeah. And like a drunk old lady. Yeah. That's like when I like <laughs> I have a different ex- experience with Liz Taylor <laughs> than, than the people else. who grew, like. I'm trying to think of who, in, like, who, like, for us, you know, I don't know. Britney Spears, like, Br- later yeah, on. Maybe, in the, yeah, maybe, yeah. But someone who was just, like, beautiful and famous, and then you watch this, like, crazy train slide. <laughs> yeah, Britney's probably a good example. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she's back. She's doing great. Oh, yeah. Britney's back, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so... Sante, the story kind of goes, there's kind of two stories, but Sante is skimming through Millionaire Magazine. That's a thing. Okay. (laughs) And she sees this guy who's a divorced real estate developer named Kenneth Kimes, who's worth $21 million. So she's In like like old money. In old money. Because we're probably like 60s right now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, he's going into 70s. Oh, my Lord, that's a lot of money. And he's, like, 17 years older than her, but she's, like... <laughs> he's 17. I was like, I'm to become a millionaire at 17. <laughs> the internet. No, it's not, it's not a thing yet. Um, <laughs> um, and so she's like, I want him. But then there's also a flip story of, like, he kind of pursued her. But either way, he's very guarded with his money. Okay. He's been previously married. He's had two kids. 
And then that relationship, it's said that he was kind of controlling and a little bit abusive there. Okay. And that's why they got divorced. She's met her match. <laughs> yes. And then Sante starts to see him. So Sante is, like, pursuing him for a year. Yeah. And he's like, no, bitch, you're going to take my money. And so he kind of keeps her Sees at arm length. Yeah. yeah. And so, but finally after a year, they, like, moved in with each other. Um, and Sante gets the upper hand. He's an alcoholic. He's easily controlled. Okay. So, um... So they kind of start doing little cons with each other and like, like, like not harmful cons, but like, like for example, they went out to party one night and she got them into a private party that was for the vice president, like Ford. What? And they got like pictures with him. They like got past the security. Like she's just in it for the thrill. She's so charming and like in it for the thrill. Yeah. Hmm. And so four years later, they still weren't married and, um, she was like, how can I essentially trap him? So she has another child. So she becomes pregnant and she names this child Kenneth. And she's got Kent and and Kenneth. Kenneth. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. She's real original. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth is her little prince. Where's Kent? You know, like Kent's just off in the wind. Kent is kind of off in the wind. He luckily, I don't know why, but kind of escaped her grasp. But he seems he's kind of normal-ish. Yeah. 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 Which is hard, like, you're growing up with these yeah. parents. Um, so they moved to Hawaii, and, um, you know, Sante needs to have maids. There's just so much housework and so many kids mm-hmm, to take care mm-hmm. of. So what she does is she goes to Mexico, and she's like, hey, do you want to be my maid? I'll give you a salary, and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, of course, I want to get out of here. Yeah. So she takes the, uh, some girls from Mexico, brings them back to Hawaii, and fucking makes them slaves. Okay. Okay. So they're, <laughs> so th- she has these maids and, um, she abuses them. She beats them with ha- like hangers and hot irons and like makes them go barefoot around the house and like locks up the whole house so they can't get out. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. There's like an interview with a friend where the friend comes over and she's like, Oh, Santa, you have to tell me where you get the keep. And she's like, oh, well, when we become better friends, like, I'll let you know where I get my little slaves. They're my everything. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. Um, So even though she's, like, super mean to her maid, she's, like, the best mom. She's, like, giving her kids anything and everything. But at this point, she's still stealing a bunch of stuff. So, like, Kent in the interview is like, oh, yeah, we had the best birthdays. We had clowns and stuff. And we had, like like numerous presents obviously they're all stolen but like <laughs> they were awesome yeah um and so kenneth is homeschooled and he has a very outgoing personality and like his tutors start realizing he has like a problem with lying and so oh. he keeps lying to them his mom's not gonna tell him not to lie yeah yeah and so the kids love to lie yeah someone has to tell them not to lie because yeah. that's all they'll do yeah yeah that's their nature like, yeah yeah and so one of the tutors was like, Ken, like, you can't keep lying like this. Let me tell you a story about the, the boy who cried wolf too many times. And so after their tutor session, Ken goes to the family and was like, mommy, mommy, let me tell I you this all you about this tale. And so Sante loses her shit. The next time the tutor's there, she grabs the tutor, drags her downstairs, what? pushes her onto the what? bed with two hands. It was like, don't you fucking... Tell my kid about morals. I'm the one who teaches him morals, and I, there's a time and a place to lie, and there's a time and a place to tell the truth, and I'm the one to Whoa. make that decision. Yeah. So, in, like, in this interview, this poor tutor's, like, freaked the fuck well, out. Well, at least this tutor lived to tell the <clears throat> tale. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So eventually they move from Hawaii and they go to Vegas. And but Kent at this point, he's a little bit older, he's like, No, 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 I'm I'm gonna stay in Hawaii. <laughs> Good call, Kent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so in nineteen eighty five, a maid finally escapes and runs to the FBI. Whoa. It was like this is what's been happening, like we're all like trapped here, we're in voluntary assault, uh, servitude. And so Sante goes to prison for, um, she's sentenced for five years. Okay. And, um, the dad does a plea bargain, so he gets probation and gets to stay at home. Sounds like a real rich move right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, honey, you go serve time. I'll <laughs> stay at home with the kids. So he takes Kenneth out of, like, private homeschool. So he's yeah. been private homeschooled this whole time. So he, like, lets Kenny go to, like, regular school. Okay. And he is the bell of the ball. He goes to all the social events. He's, like, really well-liked. Um, and he really starts to, like, make a personality for himself when okay. his mom's in jail. And his father um, gets closer with him and kind of starts talking shit about his mom to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so... um Eventually, um, his mom, Sante, gets out of prison. She only serves three years out of five years. Okay. And um, she comes back, and she sees that, like, Kenneth is well-adjusted. She's lost her control over She's them. lost her control. So she makes him change schools and forbids him to ever talk to his friends. Healthy. Very healthy. And so they start moving a bunch again. And so in 1990, they have their family, family lawyer, Elmer Holmgren burned down one of their homes for insurance money. Jeez, yeah, that's her go-to move. <laughs> and then, so while drunk, Elmer tells the story of how he, like, burns down this house, and so federal agents quickly, like, caught on to this, yeah. and they're like, well, you're going to be an R informant. And so soon after, uh, Sante and Ken, the husband, invite Elmer onto a vacation in Costa Rica, and he never returns. Oh. Yeah. But maybe he's just still in Costa Rica. No. No. <laughs> so. That, oh, see, that'd be so scary to have, to be approached. Yeah. To be an informant. Yeah. You, yeah. You would, you're like, no formal only, training. you're like, only I can do it. Mm-hmm. I have the in. Mm-hmm. How scary that would be. Yeah. I would like to think that I would do it, but I feel like I would not do it. It depends how old I am. What my family situation's like. Yeah, there's a lot of factors there. Yeah. Am I addicted like, are to you, drugs? Are you, <laughs> are you listening? Like, are you in a van down the street and you're listening to everything? And the moment I say, like, caca, caca, you'll run in and save me? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But am I going to be in situations where they're going to find the wire and murder me in Costa Rica? Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. Do your own job. Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not trained. This isn't my job. This is yeah. your job. Okay. Oh, so then, yeah. The so, lawyer who burned down the house for them. So, yeah, he disappears. So that was 1990. So 1993. Little We're in the 90s already. Yeah, yeah. Time flies when yeah, you're murdering does. people. Um, so it's now 1993. Kenneth is older. He's ready to go to college. Okay. He goes to Santa Barbara. Oh. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, party Party school. boy. And so he's living in Isla Vista. <laughs> so when you go off to college, usually your parents kind of send you off and you go do your own thing, but not Kenneth's mother. They get a house right off, right off of the college campus and they live with Kenneth Ugh. and like, they like, host, let go lady. They, yeah. They host like keg parties with their son. They do. So eventually they, 
disperse. They get out of that. They let Kenneth kind of, like, go to college. Um, and um, Sante is living with her husband, but then the husband gets sick and he dies of an aneurysm. In 1994. So he gets about a year alone from his mother. Okay. Um, but she doesn't tell anybody her husband's died. Of course not. Because he has left a will that leaves all of his money to his previous two children and nothing to her and her son. I can't believe she wasn't on that shit. Yeah. She should have. I mean, they've been together for a good, like, 10, 15 years at this point. Yeah. Um, I can't believe she wasn't on updating that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can mildly believe that he wouldn't update it, but... Yeah. Huh. And there's also a marriage certificate that said they eventually did get married, but, uh, but like, authorities married? later say that it looks forged. Yeah. Interesting. And so, um, at this point, Kenneth moves back in with his mother, and she I'm takes control she, again. Okay. Yeah. He dies in a, so he dies in the hospital. Of an, like, yeah. So, she can only kind of hide the death. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think... I can't remember how, I feel like they're on a trip or something and he, she goes in and he comes, she comes back out and he's like died. So she killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe she didn't like meet with some nefarious lawyer mm-hmm. who was willing to update the will for her. Yeah. And I Kenneth. think she tried. I okay. think that's why with the marriage certificate. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyways, it doesn't work. Yeah. They can't get that going. Um, so Kenneth drops out of college and he starts focusing on selling Cuban cigars on the internet with his mom. This is so 90s. <laughs> so like Kenneth's friends. He's rem- like early days of eBay. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. got like an 84% rating. <laughs> uh, Kenneth's like friends rem- remember how like he would tell them stories about going down to Cuba with his mom and being this back alleyway, like getting these Cuban cigars yeah. and like the thrill of it. So oh he also likes the he thrill likes of it. Thrill. So at this point, the the Cuban cigar business isn't going very well and they're running out of money. Okay. And so Sante's like, I remember dad has money off the Bahamas and like an offshore account. Okay. So Kenneth and Sante go down to the Bahamas and they meet with this banker and they like go out to dinner with him and they're just trying to withdraw the money and, but like the banker's on to them. He's like, no, something's fishy here. Um, so he goes missing. Don't ask questions. Yeah. I've learned. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Okay. So in 1998, um, their Kime, the Kimes house in Las Vegas catches on fire. Weird. You think she'd change it up. You're not going to keep getting away with that. I don't... I mean, maybe this was a different time, but I feel like people would catch on to all the fires. Oh, weird. Every time you need money, something catches on fire and you get money. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Yeah. Okay, so this fire... This house catches on fire. The deed has actually recently been transferred to uh, a kind of family friend acquaintance, David uh, Kasten, and um, they took... They... So... Sante takes out a loan against the house in David's name. Okay. And then, um, so now he owes $280,000 on the house. So he's like at home one day, he gets a bill for $280,000. He's like, what the fuck? He has no idea that Sante has changed the name, the deed to his name. And then they catch this house on fire and then Uh, they get the insurance money off of it. uh, So David calls Sante and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I will turn your ass yeah, in. Yeah, get me out of your schemes. Um, but then David turns up dead mm. in a dumpster in L.A. near the airport. Oof. Yeah. So at Dumpster the, near the airport. Yeah. So there's no evidence at this point to suspect uh, Sante or Kenneth. We're 
building a circumstantial yeah. report here. There's a lot of motive yeah. here. Um, so, at this point, they still need money. I mean, they have $280,000, but I mean, how far is that going to get you? Not very far when you yeah. need Minx Coke. Mink Cokes. She does coke. <laughs> I was trying to say coats. she 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 steals mink coats. <laughs> Edit this out. <laughs> no, damn it. There's actually a whole like little scam she did with her husband where they're at like a dinner and there's a mink's coat she really wants. So he distracts the woman and she takes it, puts it on, and like leaves. And other patrons are like, "What the fuck? We literally I just saw, saw you." That. So they track him down to their hotel room, and she's there with the mink's coat and, like, three or four other ones that she's already stolen. And, like, she's got the name she's out of it. She's crazy. She's crazy. She, she just needs to... Oh, she loves but the her, thrill. like, husband was in on it, too. Yeah, like, he he's a kinda, weirdo, too. Yeah. I don't feel that bad for him. So they need money, and they have an informant in New York who's like, hey, this old lady named Irene Silverman is in New York, and she's a retired ballerina, like her ex, or her like widowed, her like dead husband yeah. uh, was into real estate. So she has a bunch of money. She has this brownstone mm-hmm. building worth like $7 million. What is brownstone? Because it seems like you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea. <laughs> you said it in a way that I was like, no, a brownstone. Like you call it like, it's a type of, yeah. Um, I, I can't describe it very well other than like. Uh, Carrie Bradshaw lived in a brownstone. Okay. First, okay, so it's like a bunch of little apartments? Yeah, because they're, like, they have the stoop. Yeah. You Like, they're a couple stories. Okay. They're right next to each other. All right. They're expensive. Like, okay. a, a brownstone is, you'd want to have a brownstone. Like, if you're a city dweller. You want to have a brownstone. Brownstone's not, Brown you know, is you're in. not going to turn your nose up at a brownstone. All right. So and br- maybe, maybe way back in the day, they were undesirable. But I would tell you now, super desirable. A brownstone would be desirable. So Irene has this seven million dollar brownstone. Brownstone, um, and she's turned it into an elite bed and breakfast. Ayo, hey, here we mimosa. go. Um, I always look like, to me like the tie-in. I like completely forget. And I just get immersed in the story. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> it's a very very loose tie-in, yeah. but I like went for it. Um, so um, uh, uh, Sante and Kenny are essentially casing Irene at this point. Okay. So Kenny decides to check into one of these rooms under an alias, and it's 6000 a month to stay at this bed and breakfast. Wow. So he goes to Irene. He has an envelope full of, like, $100 bills, and, like, for $6,000, he's like, Irene, just let me stay here. Whoa. And Irene's like, okay, yeah, sure. But then Irene is like, you are weird, and I don't like you. There's something off about you. Yeah. She's, like, quick on him. So, in 1998, Sante uses a disguise and fake papers to show that she is Irene. She goes to the bank. What? She changes the deed of the $7 million bed and breakfast. ballsy. Yeah, to herself. So, she was going to, like, tell the maids and everything, oh, yes, my good friend Irene, yes, she decided to pursue her travel desires and leave me her brownstone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So three days later, Irene is gone. Yeah, she she's gone. gone. So um, at this point, uh, Sante and Kenneth are on the other side of town, and they're like for some reason in front of like a Hilton, and the cops find them and stop them because 
not because of Irene shit. Yeah. Because the cops over here are investigating Irene shit. They arrest uh, Sante and Kenneth because they bought a car with a bad check. Bad checks, y'all. Dude, like, it's those little things that get you. Yeah. Um, and so the cops retell when they grab them, like, when they grab Kenneth, he pissed himself. Whoa. Yeah. He And they're like, that's not a normal response. <laughs> when, <Yeah. laughs> when we, like, the grab people. Up. Um, but, like, when they capture them, like, they find Irene has a bag full of $10,000 in cash, a couple guns, and, like, Irene's passport and ID. Sante has all this. Sorry, sorry. Sante. Yeah. Sante has, like, the Irene. Pretending like, to be Irene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, yeah. Did I say Irene? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the cops arrest them, but at this point they're not making any connection between the cases. And so, this, Other than the fact that she has this woman's fake ID. But they don't know that. They think, they I don't know they think they she's think. Irene? Yeah. Interesting. So the cop goes home. That's a good fake. That's a good fake. <laughs> uh, I think it's actually Irene's ID, but then like maybe she has a disguise on. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> this isn't a crack team. No. <laughs> Or maybe it is. They did not a, to be offensive. They're about to do a good job. Okay, all right. Okay, okay so okay. the New York, one of the investigators on the case with Sante and Kenneth is at home watching TV and sees a missing p- person report for Irene. Okay. And realizes she matches the ID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that there's a sketch of Kenneth because he was staying at mm-hmm. her bed and breakfast. And so he's like, bloop, 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 this makes sense. Um, And so... Uh, oh, so, like, while the police are trying to convict them, Sante is, like, staying in the limelight, and she's trying to convince the public that the police are, like, doing a frame job on yeah. her. She's like, I'm just an old woman, and, like, just, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And so, um, just before their trial, uh, they go on 60 Minutes, like, her and... Did you call that an airplane or a helicopter? I think that's a chopper. Get back to the chopper. Jump, jump, dino, daddy will catch you. Jump to the chopper. So if you guys can't hear it, there's a I chopper. I have to be able to hear it. <laughs> Otherwise it sounds insane. We just start yelling Arnold quotes. Oh. Okay, oh. so you remember how she looks. What does Taylor look like? Okay. And so during the trial, she just kind of lets herself go, she, and she gets very gray. Oh. A whole other person, mm-hmm. right? So she, like, overnight becomes a grandma. She looks like a lunch lady in that yeah. photo. Um, and so they go on 60 Minutes to kind of plead their case that they are being um, framed. So this is her and her son. And 60 Minutes is like, well, we know you're full of shit, but this is great TV, this and is, everyone's going to watch it. Yeah. And so, like, they kind of... They could have maybe swayed the public to be on their side, but they were so touchy-feely during the interview, like, holding each other and caressing each other. So it made this, like, kind of persona that they were incestual, and so people were, like, turned off about it. Yeah. 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 And so even during the courtroom, during their trial, they were very touchy, and, like, the judge had to tell them to stop. No. Yeah. 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 (sighs) Yep. <laughs> um, and like, the judge had to tell them to stop? Yeah. And so, like, their older brother, or, like, her eldest son, Kent, was like, they were very touchy. He's like, I'm not saying they had an incestual, like, relationship, but he also wasn't there the whole time. I don't know. I, you kind of, circumstantial, can think about how you want. Regulate. <laughs> Regulator. Mount up. <laughs> so um, during their investigation, they find 17 notebooks 
detailing the the plan of Irene's estate like takeover. Seventeen notebooks. Yeah. So they're like practicing her signature. They're kind of laying out oh. the plan. Yeah. You're like, how many steps is this? How well, how elaborate epic, a writer epic. are they? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? The process map where yeah. this is like. A... <laughs> um. Um, Kaizen. Kaizen. And so the thing is, they can't find Irene's body. Hmm. So there's not really a murder. There's a missing person. Mm -hmm. There is blood outside the apartment. That kind of leads to a struggle. Like, makes it look like a struggle. It's hard. It's hard. Those murder cases are hard without the body. It's so hard. Um, So the trial ensues. They eventually, they get tried for Irene's stuff. And then they get... Um, oh, okay. So, um, they want to transfer them over to California, which California at this point has a death penalty. And so Kenneth takes, uh, an interviewer hostage with like a ballpoint pen and was like, you have to promise me that like, um, I won't get the death penalty and my mom won't get the death penalty. Otherwise I'll, I'll kill her. Any promise made to you with a ballpoint pen at someone's neck is like, it's not going to happen. No one's going to hold up their end of the bar. Again. Yeah. So that, that little scuffle takes four hours. Whoa. And they finally get the interviewer safe and sound away from him. They extradite them to California. They go to the trial there and for David's murder for the LA. He, he's in the dumpster. Dumpster dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, David. David. His name's David. Sorry. And so, <laughs> so they, Very bo- callous of <laughs> they both get found uh, guilty of murder and each get uh, serve um, each get like a convicted of 120 years in prison. Where do they come up with that? Is that just a couple different? I think convictions it a, and it adds to yeah. I think because they did a bunch of bad checks, they did uh, false papers, they did and it's not it's murder. not in, conject- in conjunction with each other. It's on top of or yeah. Or, okay. And so during the trial, when this was, like, read that they were getting 120 years in prison, Sante is just stunned. She, like, can't believe... Well, she would have thought she would have gotten away with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's gone away with a bunch of stuff. Like, this is the first went... time in her life she's had a consequence. Well, no. She went to jail oh, yeah. for the Sorry. slavery thing. Um, but, you know... She... <laughs> That's a crazy statement. <laughs> no, remember she went to jail for that slavery thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but during... all, But also during, like, the reading of it, Kenny is laughing and, like, talking during the verdict. He's nuts. He He's off his... The poor, like... Ugh. Nature versus nurture. I know. He had to grow up with this like psychotic woman. They're both very charming and like can lure you in. Look like... out for those charming people. What? Look out for those charming. Oh yeah, yeah, people. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah, that was the story. That's a crazy story, Drea. Of Sante Kimes and Kenneth Kimes, Mimosa Killers. Ay, caramba. Yeah. Good one. Thanks for that wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel like we haven't had an OJ comment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. And we drank OJ. You have. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know what I would, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. I think I've talked to you about this just uh, like in the office. It's crazy to me that, so OJ, when the Browns and the Simpsons took him to civil court, mm-hmm. so he was found not guilty in criminal court. Yes. And he's free. Free man. Got away with murder. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then he is taken to civil court where the Browns and the Simpsons are saying he's responsible for the death of our children. Criminally found not guilty, but financially, the reason our kids are dead is him. 
and he's found guilty. They, they got to watch what didn't work in the first trial and didn't repeat those mistakes. And, uh, you know, you could run the same case twice and it would, it could end it. Anyway, so he's found guilty in civil court. So he, he owes them millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And the Goldmans, uh, especially, are on, they are just, they got a taste for OJ and they are not going to let him get away with anything. So any little way that he can come up with money. The Browns are on it. Like the and book. He's, the book. Yeah, yeah, they're on it. So uh, there's there's something in California law where if you're like, I'll use OJ as an example. They couldn't take Rockingham. So he owns a multi-million dollar house. Mm-hmm. He owes them multi-millions. But there is a homestead, I'll call oh, it a homestead act. You can't take some, you can't make someone homeless mm-hmm. because they owe you money. Your home is protected. There's got to be rules about if you actually live there. Like if you had a second home, mm-hmm. you might be able. I don't. I don't know, but you might be able to lose your second home. But you can't become homeless because you owe somebody money. But there's a some sort of rule there. But he's strapped for cash, and I think he wants to live in a certain lifestyle. And I think it costs a lot of money to own Rockingham. Definitely, it's a huge house. I'll bet there's a staff. I'll bet you know the mortgages. But whatever it is, so he does eventually sell it. And so Rockingham isn't OJ's anymore. And uh, whoever bought it was like, I'm not fucking living in this murder mansion. Or they were like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to turn a profit on this murder mansion. Whatever it is, they decide that they'll raise it, you know, get rid of it, and they'll build something new in its place. It's very valuable land. Uh, So it's going through all this construction. And so this is like, uh, you know, maybe a year or two off of the murder, maybe like time frame I'm going to be a little wishy-washy about. But there's construction happening at Rockingham. There's a construction worker who comes across and finds a knife on the property. No. Kind of where you'd think you'd find one. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I'm at OJ's house, and I found a knife on, like, buried on the, the property. The never they never found the murder weapon. Oh so this god. guy's like, oh my god, oh my god. No. There's a police officer across the street who's either, like, a crossing guard cop or he's there. I don't remember why there's a cop or he flags one down. He comes across a cop and he's like, Hey, this is unbelievable. I just found, I don't, you know, crazy. I just found this knife at Rockingham here. Gives it to a cop. So at this point, uh, OJ has already gone, already gone through trial. He's not found guilty. So even double double jeopardy, jeopardy, you can't get him. Okay. This is just a fascinating piece of information. The cop probably knowing Double Jeopardy, being a selfish person, however you want to paint it, doesn't do anything. Doesn't tell a soul. Instead, he takes this knife and he frames it in a shadow box. And it lives in his, I think, home office, maybe his workout, but it, like, has it for years. And then finally... That's gross. It's really gross. It's gross. Finally, somebody... Is in his, like, uh, it comes to light somehow where someone's like, what's the deal with this knife? And he's like, oh, this construction, like, that's probably the murder weapon in the OJ trial. And they're like, what? Somehow somebody who has some sort of common sense goes, what in the world? The guy has to, he's like, oh, my bad. I didn't, you know, why is this a big deal to everybody? Yeah. (laughs) Turns it over. But they do, you know, again, years have gone by. Many people have handled it. It's been, you know, yeah. uh, under glass in this shadow box. I believe that they ran DNA testing on it and it didn't come back as a positive anything. for anybody. Yeah. Again, it was, you know, buried and weathered and who knows. But that's cr- 
crazy to me. That's insane. You as a cop. I'm not a co-op. Are you a co-op? I'm not a co-op. <laughs> Sorry, The Departed. It's on Netflix now. Um, um, no, that's just insane. Like, for one, that's construction worker to even... I mean, he, actually, he went to the cop. He went to a cop. He went to the cop, and he was like, can you believe this? And cop was like, I'll take over. And then that fucking cop... And for him to be like, what is the big deal? I don't give a shit if it's double jeopardy and that was his Let's conclusion. get to the bottom of it. No, I would be like, I want to fucking know if, like, DNA evidence links this. But yeah, I need to know. Everybody, the public needs to know so he stops getting book deals. So he stops getting yeah. these fucking, yeah. It's Mark Anthony. I need to know. I need to know. Yeah. Anyway, there's your OJ tidbit. Thanks, Jackie. You're welcome. <laughs> your daily dose of it, OJ. Or week of OJ. Yes. <laughs> your weekly dose of OJ. Mostly sugar. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesigns.com. Use coupon code KillerCocktails, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus. And we'll be back next week on Hashtag Murder Mondays. (laughs) 